a Thursday drive. We're selling your Dylan is producing in Robert's chair today. And he's telling me it didn't go so well bowling last night at Triad Lanes. And to try and fix the problem, he's going to be fitted for a new bowling ball as soon as today's show is finished. Do you think it's going to help, Sawyer? A hundred percent it's going to help. How heavy was the last ball? It was 16, and I just don't think I'm manly enough for a 16-pound ball yet. All right, we'll get to that later on in the show. Cheer up, though, because today is the official start date for college basketball preseason practices across the country. So over the next hour, we're going to cover all four branches of the ACC Big Four, starting with Wake Basketball. Because their offseason reminds me of one of my favorite quotes. If you're not willing to risk the unusual, you will not you will have to settle for the ordinary. I'll say that again. If you're not willing to risk the unusual, you'll have to settle for the ordinary. Check out Graham over here getting philosophical. That quote's actually from world-renowned entrepreneur John Rome. And I think it's relevant to Wake Forest for this season because nobody in college basketball has turned the bad of 2020 into a good like the Demon Deacons. Nobody. They were the only major conference school to make a coaching change in this cycle. That, in and of itself, is a massive risk. Think about it. We don't know how the pandemic's going to affect the financials of athletic departments, the budgets that every single program's going to be privy to have. We have no clue how that's going to be impacted long-term. Wake decided in late April they were going to make a change. It was worth moving off Danny Manning, remaining in a rut, to go in a different direction and hire a new coach. But think of the risk from this perspective. Some coaches might be hesitant to leave the comfortable of where they were at in order to jump to a new place amid a global pandemic. Wake rolled the dice. Nobody else did. And I think it paid off for them. Because think about it. Each year, there's at least 8 to 10 major programs changing college basketball coaches. And when I say major programs, I think of the Power 5 conferences. I think of the Big East Conference. I'll even include the American Athletic Conference in that. The A-10 is a major conference. So you're talking about 100 schools. Close to 10% are going to be turning over year to year. Only one in 2020. One. And it's Wake Forest basketball. So I think just taking that risk allowed John Curry to have a wider pool than there's ever been for the Demon Deacons in order to acquire, bring in Steve Forbes. You bring in Steve Forbes, he has the best resume of any incoming coach Wake Forest has ever had. I say that including Skip Prosser who won quite a bit at Xavier before taking the Wake Forest job. He has a really good resume, but look look at Coach Forbes. <laughs> Coaching under Bruce Pearl, Billy Gillespie. Coaching under Greg Marshall. Ugh, that probably doesn't look so great after last week. But a lot of winning wherever he's been. Coaching in JUCO. Coaching at many different levels. Winning in the SOCON. Familiar with this recruiting footprint. He gets all that. Won 75% of his games with East Tennessee State over a five-year span coming in here. It's as good of a coaching candidate, and I would argue the best one 
Wake Forest has ever been able to bring in because they were willing to take a risk that no none of the other teams thinking about letting go their coach weren't willing to do. Looking at Boston College, for example, keeping Jim Christian. Then I see this, this bit of news that's expected to come down today. Jeff Goodman has the pulse of college athletics, specifically college basketball, about as good as anybody out there. He put this out yesterday. The NCAA D1 Council has voted in favor of getting an additional year of eligibility for winter sports athletes. Won't be official until the close of today's meeting since it could still be brought back for reconsideration. We've seen it in football. This year, eligibility, just not going to count, whether you play in the fall or the spring. Football eligibility wasn't going to count. And that seems to be coming for college basketball. Who does that benefit most? I think that free year helps rebuilding teams and academic institutions more than anybody else. Wake Forest checks both those boxes. Those schools, if you're an academic institution not named Duke, it's harder to get kids into your building. You're not talking about bringing in junior college kids. It's a smaller pool, so it's always going to be a developmental school. It's going to take more time for these guys to get good. That's why every single Wake team we've ever seen that's been any type of good has a ton of great seniors, fifth-year seniors, juniors, older players. So this is a huge benefit to Steve Forbes, who right now is trying to set the framework, set the foundation for Wake Coops moving forward. Also, Forbes, he'll get to pick and choose his guys moving forward. It's a good problem to have for next year, and I'm interested to see what this ruling will do for eligibility requirements. Forbes has made a strong impression on me, Sawyer. He really has. His personality, it's not boring. He's got a bold, at times humorous personality. It's captivating. He's interesting. Uh, aside from Danny Manning's basketball career back at Kansas and in the NBA, he didn't really have a captivating personality. I think he'd even agree with that. Of course, Jeff Bezdelic didn't have that either. We haven't seen it since Skip. So that's big. It's different. He isn't scared of the big boys. He came on this radio show, made comments that ended up leading part in the interruption and highly questionable on ESPN. Why? Because he ain't scared of Kentucky, and why would he be? He's, he's in the SEC with Bruce Pearl, and they're winning just as many games while he's in Knoxville as Kentucky did. When he's at Wichita State, his Wichita State team was the one seed facing eighth seed at Kentucky in the second round of an NCAA tournament. He isn't scared of the big boys. That's what Wake Forest needs when you're in a conference with Louisville and Duke and North Carolina and Bayheim and UVA, which... I guess is still the defending national champs. Recruiting. They were right there to get Mac McClung out of Georgetown. Really good player. Ended up going to Texas Tech, but Wake was in the mix. Got a top guard from North Carolina and a four-star from South Carolina. So I really like what he's doing in recruiting. I like the personality. I like that he's not afraid of the big boys. And also, I like that Wake Forest took a chance this offseason. A chance that nobody else in major college basketball was willing to take. And that's 
changing up what they knew wasn't going to work. And this free year of eligibility, it's a plus for Wake 2. However, and wherever you're listening, we appreciate that. On Twitter, at Sports Hub Tryon, 336-777-1600, the phone number. We'll get to North Carolina in a little over five minutes because I see Sawyer's eyes starting to glaze over, getting a bit disinterested with all the Wake basketball talk. Brendan Marks will join us at the bottom of the hour, talk Guitar Heel football, and also we'll get into the Duke Blue Devil basketball program. DJ Stewart, the new guard for the Blue Devils, had some interesting comments yesterday. The Carolina Panthers... They've just faced their first COVID scare of the year. No one on the Panthers roster all season long has been on the COVID reserve list, but the Atlanta Falcons announced that one of their players is on it. So Carolina is going through an intensive protocol, having to test each day. All their meetings are going to have to go virtual. It's going to affect preparation for the Chicago Bears, who themselves had to alter practice on Monday due to a COVID positive test. I think this week we're going to learn who the Panthers really are on Sunday. I think that's what we're going to see. Because great defenses and physical football teams, they tend to expose any weaknesses that you have. We saw it with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last Thursday night. They are two big weaknesses, protection and discipline. And ain't Tom Brady, even though... All we remember from that game is him not remembering it was fourth down. Protection and discipline. Chicago exposed both of those things. So Carolina, going into the year, we were concerned about the O-line. We were concerned about the depth. Carolina's won without Christian McCaffrey in the lineup. That's going to be tested. Panthers have won three in a row. Mike Davis looked great against the Falcons who haven't won a game and their defense hasn't stopped anybody yet. How's Mike Davis going to do against Khalil Mack? Carolina hasn't allowed a sack the last two weeks. Two weeks ago without Russell Okuna, Pro Bowl caliber tackle. He's back last week, played 98% of the snaps. Okay, that all looked good and well. How is it going to hold up against a really good defense? After this week, the Panthers will have a bottom fourth difficult schedule in the league. Right now, their schedule is the 20th difficult, 20th most difficult schedule remaining in the league out of 32 with one being the most difficult, 32 being the least difficult. The Bears are 4-1. and one. So after this game, it's going to be bottom fourth in the league moving forward. So if Carolina is 4-2 and two after this week, sure, it's easy to highlight the fact Carolina has to play the Chiefs in Green Bay the rest of the way, but the NFC South it isn't as strong as we thought it would be. Nobody would disagree with that. It hasn't really met expectations. The Saints aren't overwhelming. The Buccaneers, they have weaknesses, as we've covered. And when I look at some of the teams Carolina also has, the Denver Broncos, the Detroit Lions, the Washington football team, a lot of wins left for this Carolina team if Carolina proves it's good enough to get their fourth in a row playing at home against the Chicago Bears. Okay, so again, we've covered Wake Forest. But I want to address Sawyer's Tar Heels next. And it's because now I've had the entire offseason to look at this team, listen to the rumblings from offseason workouts. I'll tell you what my expectations are for Carolina next on The Drive. The college basketball preseason practices are underway across America, including with the Duke Blue Devils, who yesterday we heard from DJ Stewart, 
the latest Chicago Duke Blue Devil, joining a list of Jabari Parker, Jaleel Lokafor, and many others. And I found this quote to be really interesting that he had here. Sawyer, do we have this lined up real quick? It is a question of, hey, based on your offseason workouts, have there been any players who have stood out to you? And he pointed to two guys that might not be the first two players Duke Blue Devil fans think of, Matthew Hurt and Jordan Goldwire. This is how it sounded. Matt Hurt is a really good player. Uh, he's definitely uh, gotten a lot better, uh, according to what Coach K has said. And uh, he's just an amazing shooter and amazing scorer, and I'm really excited to see what he does this year. And uh, Jay Gold has really been leading for us as well, uh, really defending, uh, handling the ball without having any turnovers. So he's been really big for us as well. And he's also been like pretty much leading me on the court and telling me where to go and just uh, letting me know uh, how Duke's going to be and how we're going to play. Goldwire might be my favorite player on this team. He's gotten better each year he's been in Durham. He's the forgotten player from the Zion class. Um, just a terrific defender. I think he might be one of the most essential players on this team because, hey, with Trey Jones gone, He's probably going to be the go-to perimeter defender. I think Goldwire and Hurt are the two most essential players on this Duke roster. Not the freshman coming in, not Wendell Moore. Uh, these guys aren't stars, so to speak, but Goldwire, very important for his defense and leadership, as young DJ Stewart was saying there. Matt Hurt for rebounding, and I think he's right for a big year because Brendan Marks, he reported that uh, that Hurt picked up 15 pounds of muscle this offseason. He's going to be big. He had big rebounds last year. And we welcome Brendan to the show now from The Athletic. You heard my argument. You heard what DJ had to say. Who do you think is the most important player for Duke going into this season? I, I heard your arguments, Josh, and I'm going to co-opt one of them. Um, I do think it's Matt Hurt. And, and I, I say that for a few reasons. I think um, – and, and a story that I had earlier this week, I had a chance to talk to Coach Shire, uh, John Shire, the associate head coach at Duke. And um, he told me that Matt Hurt has been the team's leading scorer, essentially, through all of their five-on-five scrimmages so far. Um, and, and like you said, he's put on a substantial amount of weight, and in the best possible way, he's bulked up in the upper body to potentially help with traffic and, and uh, collecting rebounds in a cluttered uh, interior. He's also picked up some leg weight, which is hopefully going to enable him to have a little bit better foot speed, a little bit more quickness and explosiveness in trying to defend uh, some opposing fours and fives. So I, I really think that Hurt is just somebody who we didn't get to see the full uh, extent of his potential last year. You know, we saw flashes of him being great. He had games or stretches of games where he was great. But this is a guy who is a top 10 national recruit. I mean, this is a guy who is an ideal stretch for. He's someone that modern NBA offenses crave. So I think that he has a tremendous opportunity in front of him. And if he can keep up that scoring and add some rebounding, be an inside-outside threat, um, I, I very easily see Matt Hurt having the sort of year that plays himself into the first round of the NBA draft. Here's what's crazy to me, though, Brendan. All the people I text and I hear from from Duke, they're telling me that he might be their best shooter. Are you hearing the same things? Yeah, I think it's it's probably one of three people. Uh, he's definitely in that conversation, and I think you know we we saw that percentage wise last year. That sort of translated. Um, the other guy would be the the next best guy who who they had percentage wise. That'd be Joey Baker, and um, you know I think one of the things about Joey that people don't give him credit for is uh, he already had great shot mechanics, right? Like he's getting that thing off in absolutely no time, no hits. Like the mechanics are so sweet, so pure. If he's able to round out the rest of his game and he's able to get to a point where 
he's coming off screens and, and rising up a little bit quicker, just creating easier shots for himself is going to naturally boost his percentages. Um, and then the third guy who I throw in that conversation to is DJ Stewart, the freshman we got to talk to yesterday. Um, everyone I've talked to around the program says, you know, this kid can just shoot and score. He's not the biggest guy on the floor, but he just finds ways to put the ball in the hole. So um, I think those three would probably be the three I'd put in the conversation. And I wouldn't be surprised if all of them are sort of hovering in that 38 to 42% range from three. It's Brendan Marks with us here. He's on Twitter at Brendan R. Marks. Read his stuff in The Athletic covering Duke and Carolina basketball, North Carolina football. We'll get to the Tar Heels in just a bit on the gridiron. Where do you stand on the very top of the ACC between Virginia and Duke? Those seem to be universally the two top teams in the conference. How do you separate them when you look at what's possible in 2021? Yeah, I think, you know, if if I'm, you know, trying to make some sort of projection, I think it's easier to feel comfortable about Virginia as your ACC preseason leader just because of the experience they've come back, right? They've got, um, you know, everybody talks about Hauser. He's been there for a year. Theoretically, he knows the defensive system, so there's not going to be a drop-off there. Um, but obviously what he's going to offer you offensively is so much greater than what you would ever possibly get from uh, Mamadi Diakite, who in himself was a very good player uh, and obviously was so essential to Virginia winning that national championship. But um, I think when you look at Hauser, you look at Jay Huff, you look at Kihei Clark, who who I think is one of the more underrated guards in the ACC. Um, I mean, he is a guy the second half of last year who was playing fantastic. So I think for that reason, it's easier to go with Virginia. But, but at the end of the year, um, you know, I think when these Duke freshmen have had a little bit of time to sort of acclimate to campus, acclimate to ACC play, acclimate to each other and to Coach K. I mean, Duke was one of the last teams to bring back its student-athletes. So not only were these guys behind the curve in terms of missing out on some summertime, but, but they came in even later than other schools in the conference. So um, I, I just think that there's a little bit of, you know, gelling that's going to have to happen, and, and it's impossible to say how quickly that happens, uh, you know, as the season sort of ramps up here. But but for that reason, I'd probably go with Virginia. But I definitely think Duke still has the potential by March time to, to sort of have taken that throne. I've been railing against SEC versus ACC perception for the last few months now. And the thing that bothers me is if Clemson were to, let's say Clemson were to win on Saturday but lose or uh, but, but allow 48 points, let's say, to an unranked team like another team in the SEC did on Saturday, and let's say a top 10 team lost, you know, to a middle of the pack ranked team like North Carolina had an opportunity to do against Virginia Tech, but didn't, you know, like another SEC team did. I got a feeling Paul Feinbaum, Paul, and others might have a chance to rail against the Atlantic Coast Conference if something like that happened. But I hear crickets when it happens in the Southeastern Conference. Now I see North Carolina in, in the top five. AP top five team, would they be there if uh, if uh, the Ohio States and Penn States of the world were playing, or even Oregon? I don't know. But I think they're a legitimate top ten team, and I think the reason people are asking the question whether or not they are speaks to a perception problem for the ACC. Last year, when Kentucky was ranked ninth in the country, nobody dotted an eye because, oh, it just means more in the Southeastern Conference. Mac Brown's a Hall of Fame coach. This quarterback's legit. They have a lot of guys back. I think it's legitimate that they're a top 10 team. Do you? I do, and, and I would push back on this sentiment right now, and I think Mac Brown would too, that they are a top five team right now. You know, Mac Brown has said, and, and I think this is an important distinction that he's made in the past couple of weeks, 
he has said that we are ahead of schedule. And, and I think by that, what he means is when he first took over this job, he was taking over a two-win team. I mean, a team that not only was de- devoid of some of the tie-in talent that they're bringing in now, but they were devoid of hope. I mean, at the end of Larry Fedora's tenure, there was no hope on the North Carolina football team. You know, you see Chad Surratt is, is clearly not the quarterback that he was coming out of high school. There are so many holes. So for, for Mac to have this team in the AP top five in two years – I completely understand what he's saying, that that's ahead of where he may have thought they would be. That doesn't mean they're undeserving. It doesn't mean that just because other teams, uh, you know, have a play, you know, someone has to fill that spot. And I think when some of those other teams in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 do come back, I think you're going to see, you know, North Carolina probably drop a little bit in the polls through, through no fault of their own. But I agree with you, Josh. I think they are, you know, a top 15 and, and maybe even a top 10 team nationally. The, the question now is staying power. You know, it's, is this something where it's going to be a one-year blip on the radar? You know, is this, is this a ranking so long as Sam Howell's in Chapel Hill, or is this a ranking that Mac Brown is going to turn in something continuous? So for right now, I say, yes, UNC, I think they are a top-10 team. I don't think they're elite yet, and until they have that staying power, I don't think they'll be in that conversation. And I think Mac Brown would agree with that. Are you with me on this ACC versus the SEC uh, campaign? Are you with me on this? Um, a little bit, yeah. I mean, All I right. think there's definitely some bias there. I think, you know, Clemson <laughs> is sort of its own beast, I will say that. All right, that's fair. Yeah, it started, I guess, if you go all the way back to May, it started with me going to war with Kentucky, and now we'll see We'll see where we're at by season's end. Brendan, keep up the great work, man. I'm sure we'll be catching up sometime soon. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you, and uh, Josh, try not to get into more wars with fan base. All right, no, uh, we'll try to yeah. do that. It's good for business. Thanks, for Brendan. Uh, thanks, Brendan. That's good stuff. From The Athletic. Who's the fan base we should go into war with next? Pick an SEC fan base. Uh, I don't know. Pick. Go. First one on the top of your head. You know you have one deep down in there. Staying away from those crazy people in Alabama. Not doing that. Come on. It'll uh-uh. be fun. It'll be nope. All press is good press. Nope. All press is good press. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Maybe Texas A&M. They're riding high after beating Florida. We can say that Wake Forest beat A&M in a bowl game in which both teams scored a million points a few years ago. Maybe we'll do that. Or I could log into your Twitter and go at Alabama. Just let me have like an hour of just <laughs> You don't have access to my Twitter. Sure I don't. Uh-oh. Sawyer can like hack and stuff. He's a nerd. Watch out for the nerds. Don't tick them off. Back in the day, it was, it was cool to pick on the nerds. Now, they're the ones making gazillions of dollars and the ones that all the ladies want to be with. Why? Because that's... The technology age, man. Silicon Valley. Twice Sawyer. I'm going to be working for him one day. Looking forward to that day. Virginia versus Duke. Top of the ACC. Hmm. I'm just going to pick Virginia so that my girlfriend won't be mad at me later. That's what I'm going to do. That's how I'm separating Duke and Virginia as of right now. Anywho. I think this is... Kevin Keats' best NC State team. I really do. So we've talked about Wake and Carolina and Duke. I really do believe this is Kevin Keats' best NC State team. We expect to be joined by Kevin Keats on tomorrow's show. I'll explain why I think this team is better than the ones we've seen the last few years. Plus, we'll do our Bachelor Minute. Bachelorette Minute, excuse me, after last night's premiere. It's all coming your way next on The Drive. Dots in with us. Is this the Trolls version? 
It probably is knowing how much Sawyer yes. likes Justin Timberlake. Yes. He likes that song from the Trolls movie. Can't I do stop too. The feeling. It's a terrible song. It's an amazing song. It is an amazing yeah. song, bro. I love Timberlake, but that song's awful. Josh is, Josh is a Grinch. Anything that makes people happy and uplifting, he likes to just talk down upon it. He's well, brand. He's like brand in the Trolls. You're horrible. I've never seen Trolls, but I don't have children either. Well, I've got children. I've seen Trolls more times than I can count. One and two. There's a second Trolls. And it's amazing. They got the rock star Trolls in it. And then Hip Hop Trolls. He says, hold me, daddy. It's time for BDOT's grammar school. Rather than him explain to me what the heck's going on in the Trolls movies, me just learning now that there was a second Trolls, let's instead have BDOT coach me up and quiz me on some of the urban vernacular in BDOT's grammar school. Josh Graham has his own way of speaking. In high school, he didn't play sports, but he did wear a helmet. And just when you think it can't get any worse. My English teacher wanted to flunk me in junior high. Damn. Thanks a lot. Next semester, I'll be 35. Josh is going to attempt to learn B-Dot's vernacular. I'm from the old school. I got a street knowledge. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? It's time for B-Dot's Grammar School. That's right. Very simple for Josh Graham here. I've got five words or phrases here, and he has to tell the, get three of them correct in order to get a satisfactory grade today in BDOT's Grammar School. Now, if you would like to assist, my boy Robbie's not here today. So you've just got Sawyer in the room, and if someone would like to call up and help you, the phone number up here is 336-777. Yeah, yeah, 1600. 777. I don't know where I was about to put a three in there. 336 777 if you would like to be a lifeline for Josh. Josh, are you ready? All right. I am ready. Up first, what's a glizzy? A glizzy is a gun. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop, stop. Stop. <laughs> I didn't look at anybody. <laughs> I did not. He's looking down. He's looking down at the... At I am, uh, no, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> Wait a that minute. That is not my final answer. Is that not your final answer? It might be a gun. I, hold one sec. Let me think about this. I've learned not to go with my initial reaction. I'm not <laughs> like Claire from The Bachelorette last night. I'm thinking a glizzy is either a gun or a hot dog. One or the other. <laughs> what? I'm going to go with a hot dog. That's what a glizzy is. And I'm going to give you, Josh, two points. Because a glizzy is not only a Glock, a gun. That's when I grew up, it was called a glizzy. But nowadays, a glizzy is a hot dog. Let's go! That's a double whammy! You got two points for that, Josh. And I'm impressed. (laughs) My boy's in here flexing. Would I be able to do that three months ago? (laughs) I don't think so. I've gotten better with this game, man. Last week I went 0 for 5, I think. <laughs> but man. I'm impressed, Josh. Nailed Graham. it. You did. Nailed it. Let's go. Both of them. Wow. LFG, let's go. All right. This one, if my boy Robbie was here, he would love this. Because this, Josh, is just five letters. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I K Y F L. I K Y F L. I K Y F L. What does that mean, Josh? I F K? No. I I what? <laughs> I K Y? What is it? Uh, I K 
Y F L. Okay, I got that written down. <laughs> okay. I think he got dyslexic real quick or something. I Sorry. know you. I was gonna say I know you feel me or I know you feel this, but mm. there's no mm. the L is pretty difficult. Mm. 336-777-1600. I-K-Y-F-L. What does this mean? It's not a review word. No, it is not a review word. Are any of these review words? None are review words today. And when Josh throws the phone number out there, that means he needs some assistance. That's exactly what it means. Three, that's three, why six, I'm stalling. Seven, 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 one, six, hundred. Oh, he's looking uh, over here, too. He wants that red I'm light looking, to blink. Want some, he wants it to blink. Somebody make the red <laughs> light blink. I K Y. No, I K Y F L. I K Y. Oh, he got lucky. F the red light is blinking. Oh my gosh! The Someone... red light is blinking multiple times. This is interesting. They're looking to help. Just make sure they know the rules of radio. Wilson. <laughs> know the rules of radio. Wilson. <laughs> Wait, is one of these a curse word? Let's see if Ryan can help you in Burlington. Ryan, what's that up? F better not stand for something that we can't say on the radio. Ryan, what do we got? I K Y F L. Uh, I know you, effing lion. What? Wait, what's the last word? Lying. Oh, thank you. That makes sense. Appreciate the call and also for complying with the FCC. We love the folks at the FCC. Absolutely. I know you're bleeping lying. I know you bleeping lying. That is no! correct. <laughs> Let's go. I love it. That is correct. Josh has three. He has already got a satisfactory grade for today because he got two with Glizzy. He knew it was a Glock and a hot dog. Let's go. Then Ryan just called in and helped him with I Know You Effing Lying. <laughs> Josh, what rapper does the song March Madness? Oh, no. March Madness. March Madness. It's a famous artist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey. <laughs> I like okay, okay. He's, hey, he's got to start somewhere, I guess. <laughs> I wish Robbie was here to hear that. <laughs> Pretty famous. Yeah. Um, Drake has Draft Day. I don't think he has March Madness. I'm going to go Future. Mm, give Josh another point. Let's wow. Go! We're three for three! Wow! I'm impressed. Turn me up! Turn me up. Josh, what is wait? Wait. Wait. W-E-I-G-H-T? That's the only way to spell it. I mean, there's another way you could spell wait. Not this one. Okay. Wait. Already used my audience lifeline. Saw the red light blinking. Gosh, they over there trying to help Josh. Can't help me anymore. Mm. I'm not looking at my Twitter feed. I've got that turned off because you got mad at me last time for having it up. I can see the iPad reflection in your glasses, Josh. Yeah, I just got my Gmail up. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Do you know what this is, Sawyer? Don't answer that, Sawyer. He's trying to see if he should use you for a lifeline. Don't answer that. You think you're so slick with this fifth. crap. Yeah, I played the fifth. Wait. <laughs> How long are you going to make us? You know what? 
since I need, I'm trying to go undefeated, I need to have. Go five for five. I, I'm just going to use your insight to see what I can do here. Sorry, what's weight mean? Okay, so I do have to give the correct answer. Yeah, right? I mean, what you're I my lifeline. Okay, this is what I think it is. Robert has muddied the waters on what a lifeline means. Can you imagine, well, like, you whose line me, is yeah. it anyway? Like, or, or who wants to be a millionaire? Not whose line is it anyway? Uh, they call, like, his parents. <laughs> well... You got to figure out if this is the right answer. This is so yeah, ridiculous. The first week it was Help hints, me. and then it was give it the wrong answer. Uh, I think weight is means like when you're pushing weight, which is like you're dealing, you know, guns, drugs, stuff of that. Gosh, I was going to say drugs because when in doubt, <laughs> guess drugs. I'm going to go with what Sawyer said there. I'm going to trust my guy. Weight is definitely drugs. <laughs> definitely <Woo>! drugs. <laughs> definitely drugs. I Gosh, I wish I just would have went with my gun. Just been like, huh? When in doubt, drugs. That's it. That would have been classic. That's it. All That's right, it. for a perfect score, Josh. Okay. A perfect score where you get six points because you've already got five points. Yep. So to get six points, and this will be a Unprecedented. record. Unprecedented. I mean, you're you're playing today like I bowled last night, Josh. Yeah, I look like Derrick Henry. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this game is Josh Norman. Your final one. What soda? Do you mix with cough syrup oh, no. to make purple drink? Oh, I know this one. <laughs> I know this one. What soda do you mix with cough syrup to make purple drink? Since I'm going for the win here, <laughs> an unprecedented six for six. I wish y'all could see his face. <laughs> I am going to do it in the coolest way I know how, and that is by quoting a rap lyric. Let's do it. Lil Wayne likes his Sprite Easter pink. Talk your talk, Josh Graham. Congratulations. Six yes! for six today. Unprecedented water. Likes his Sprite Easter pink. I'm impressed today. I'm impressed. Unbelievable. I am impressed. Whoop. <laughs> and Robbie was not here to witness it. So it never happened. Am I the only one learning something with this segment? 336-777-1600. Like, I just want to know. We've been doing this for months now. We have. And it's one of the best segments that we do. We get feedback on a ton of different things. But fellow pasty folk like me, 777-1600, do you learn something with this segment? I'm interested, too. Seriously. Sawyer's pasty, but he knows all these words. Yes. Last week was actually, like, the first time I didn't know, like, more than, like, one or two. Last week, Dot. I mean, he went deep uh this week it was kind of easy which I'm, ones I'm from last week last week was fairly easy it was bread on your books josh what's bread on your books that's like when you go <laughs> that's when somebody is going to jail like a commissary that's exactly thing. what it is mm-hmm. we had the chopper last week what's a chopper oh no 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 i'm not i'm not jeopardizing my perfect okay six for okay. six this is a good point going into good point. more terms i was confused no. at what what sawyer didn't know but no. this is true i do yeah. wonder that's right i do wonder I just threw a perfect game like you're gonna ask me to throw bullpen after i throw a perfect game well no. you just clearly clarity you just went seven for seven because right. you knew your review were too right there so boom give props for that this is the best round in the history of Dot's grammar school does it help just other basking people? in it hmm. i'm interested on twitter at sports up dry at seven 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 one six hundred is an exciting time to be in Chapel Hill. The Tar Heels are fifth ranked in the country in football after a 7-6 and six season a year ago. Last week, ahead of the Virginia Tech game, I was talking about how crazy it is that a team that won seven games 
with wins over Boston College and Syracuse that Mac Brown even told us weren't impressive wins for North Carolina, were ranked top 10 in the country. It speaks to what likability can do, trust in a coach, trust in the quarterback, and the media right now is behind North Carolina and believes that this team is really strong. Fifth in the AP poll, I don't know if they are a legit top five team because we haven't seen Ohio State, we haven't seen Penn State. I think Oregon's set to be really good this year. They're playing two weeks after the Big Ten starts uh, later this month, and we'll get some of the answers to those questions. But I do believe they're a legit top ten team because they're winning in a myriad of ways. You can fling it in the second half like they did against Syracuse. They can win with the defensive play on that two-point try with Morrison taking it back. Or they can run for 400 yards the way that they used to do back in the 70s. And that's what they did with a couple of running backs against the Hokies. And I was there to see it, as was our next guest, the voice of the Tar Heels, Jones Angel, is with us. It's not just an exciting time because of football. Today marks the start of Tar Heel basketball practice, too for many other teams across the country as well. We'll get to the basketball a little bit later on. But, Jones, you follow it as closely as anybody, of course. What do you think's proven to be the biggest difference between last year's Heels team that we knew was pretty good offensively and this one that, of course, is but is ranked fifth in the country right now? Well, uh, so far, I, I think, Josh, something that you said a minute ago is that Carolina's proven that it can win and that's what it's about right it's winning the games that you play and so Carolina's won the three games that it's played so far and um, it's done it in different ways as you said uh, they they've been able to have different areas of their team step up at different times I don't think Carolina feels like it's played a complete game as of yet through three weeks although certainly it's offense it would be difficult to ask a whole lot more from what Carolina did offensively this past weekend against Virginia Tech uh, but I think Carolina has proven that it can figure out ways to win games. And, and that's when I do think that you can start taking some steps to being a really, really good team. Now, can Carolina play, you know, 40% of its capability and beat anybody on its schedule? No. I think some great teams can probably do that. You know, Clemson can probably play 50% to its capability and win pretty much every game. Uh, that it plays or come close to it. Ohio State's probably the same way. Carolina is not that way yet. Uh, the Tar Heels have to play really well uh, to have a chance to win, um, but they have proven that, that they can figure out ways to do it. And, and I think that's where some of those close games uh, from a year ago and even the last several seasons, Carolina's been in so many close games. And, you know, I think they got beaten down a little bit near the end of Coach Fedora's era because they, they couldn't figure out a way to win those close games. They started to figure that out a little bit last year, but they still failed more than they succeeded. And so I think it's been a slow process. Uh, but the Tar Heels now are, are much more comfortable, confident uh, when they get in a game like a Boston College where, where somebody has to make a play, and, and they did. And so um, to me, that, that's been the biggest difference so far in this season for Carolina is that the Tar Heels have figured out how to win. And uh, that's the whole goal of what you're doing this for. Just how important, Jones, do you believe continuity to be in 2020 when spring practices were nuked for everybody across the country except for Coastal Carolina, who oddly enough is in action the night against Louisiana? Um, I think about this because Oklahoma, they've had no issues when it comes to turnover. Even at quarterback, they can just roll in the next guy and they can win. 
Except this year they haven't done that, and they're two and two. And I can't help but think that not having a spring affected them. LSU, of course, lost a lot of talent, pretty much everybody. But you know they still recruit the top of the line talent that you could expect to win at home against a middle of the line Pac-12 quarterback transferring into Mississippi State, and they weren't able to do that, and they lost to Missouri at the one yard line. How big do you believe it to be having pretty much all the starters back on offense, having Phil Longo, having Jay Bateman, having Mac Brown, having Sam Howell at quarterback, that continuity in this particular year? Uh, I I think it's critical, and you know I think the quarterback and the coaching staff. And I know those are obvious things to say, but yeah, I was thinking about that with, with Florida State, Carolina's opponent this upcoming uh, Saturday. You know, Mike Norvell's a really, really good coach, and he's proven that at Memphis. I mean, he had Memphis in the Cotton Bowl, for goodness sakes, this past year. But then he walks into to what's a talented team at Florida State, but it's it's hard because he just hasn't had the time with a team that that you would normally have leading up to a season. And it's hard in a first year for most anybody, but I think especially when you have this amount of of moving parts and and you don't quite know what you have from week to week personnel-wise, where you don't have the spring, you don't have a normal offseason, you don't even know if you're going to play every week, um, I do think that makes it much more difficult uh, for a first-year head coach, for new starters, for things like that. Whereas if you do have a veteran team, and Carolina's not an old team, but I think on offense you can consider them closer to that because they do have so many returning uh, players from a season ago. They, they lost a key offensive lineman in Charlie Heck, but other than that, uh, pretty much everybody else on that side of the ball has returned for the Tar Heels. And you mentioned the coordinators are the same. The head coach, of course, is the same. Um, I, I do think that's really, really important. Um, I think you've also, from Carolina's side of things, you, you have seen it be uh, a negative a little bit on the defensive side because the Tar Heels do have some younger players that are playing on that side of the ball, and they didn't have a spring practice. They didn't get to play the Charlotte game where you assume the Tar Heels, uh, if they took care of business, would have had an ability to play some younger guys in the second half of that game. And so um, I, I think it's affected Carolina on that defensive side, where they've done some nice things, but also had some, some downtimes in these first couple of games as well. And so um, absolutely, the, the more continuity that you can have in a year where it's almost impossible to find it, I think that is, uh, that's really crucial for teams to have, be successful. It's the voice of the Tar Heels, Jones Angel, with us here on Sports Hub Triad. Basketball, opening up practice today, and there are a lot of strengths that I think this team has coming off the losing season of a year ago. Of course, the post, you have a lot of returning players. You have two five-star players that are in there. But when I think of the great Carolina teams that Roy has had, a couple of things remain constant with them. You have pretty good perimeter shooting. Roy has always said the teams look great if they just knock down daggum shots. And you also have pretty good wing play, too. And when I look at this team, shot making uh, and wing play, those are hallmarks of Roy's best teams. Those tend to be, in my mind, the biggest question marks with this team going into next year. Which do you view to be a bigger question mark for the Heels? You know, that's interesting, Josh, because I think when Carolina's really good, it has a good point guard and good big guys. And I, to me, those are the hallmarks of, of Carolina basketball. And that's not to say that they don't want guys like 
Wayne Ellington or Cameron Johnson or uh, whoever, Danny Green, knocking down yeah, shots from yeah. the outside. Of course they want those guys. Um, but to me, Carolina's built off big guys and, and point guards first. Um, and you, I think Carolina's got a lot of talent in those two positions. I, I just quite literally was walking back from the end of Carolina's first practice when, when you guys called for me to jump on the air with you. And um, I, I thought it was a pretty advanced first – I mean, obviously Coach Williams is going to have the final say on this, but I thought it was a pretty advanced practice for a first practice, especially one where you have so many young players because the Tar Heels do. Um, but the thing that stood out to me the most was Carolina's – talent level is way up. It is way up from where it was last season. And and they're a deeper team as well. And, and that's what happens when you bring in a, uh, what is it, six-man freshman class that, that has a bunch of high four-star and five-star players in it. You know, when you bring in a bunch of top 100 players, um, that they're going to up the talent level of your team. And that's what this freshman class has done when you mix that in with returning guys like Leaky Black and Garrison Brooks and, you know, guys who, Armando Baycott, guys who have played a, a lot of basketball for the Tar Heels. And so um, I, I think to, to better answer your question, yeah, Carolina's going to have to find some guys to balance it out a little bit. That They'll need to have somebody like Puff Johnson or Kerwin Walton or Andrew Playtech, a veteran, or Leaky Black. Uh, somebody's going to have to be able to consistently score from the perimeter for the Tar Heels, but I think they're in good hands. Uh, we know they are from the head coach position, and I think they've got some really good young, talented guys um, that, that are going to contribute really early in, in this season. Since you saw the practice, there's two quick things I want to ask you about. Adam Lucas just posted a column uh, at GoHeels.com describing how Kobe White was in Chapel Hill and practicing against the Heels or practicing with them. Tell me about that. Uh, yes, Kobe was here, and uh, so he's been uh, just uh, talking a little bit with the guys and mixing in a little bit on the practice court if if needed, if the Tar Heels needed some, you know, just an extra rotation guy in there, and uh, that's, that's pretty a pretty cool. good one to to put in there uh, if you can throw him in. And um, <laughs> so it's always great to have to have guys like Kobe around and to have him helping out. And um, it was, you know, at one by I was actually sitting uh, socially distanced from Adam at the uh, practice and. You know, we both said, "Man, can you imagine if it was a, a junior year Kobe White out there?" And that's that's a pipe dream in today's college basketball. But um, always great to see Kobe, and uh, he looked, as you would think, uh, terrific out there on the court. So good to see him for sure. For the incoming freshman class, we could talk a lot about the big guys. I actually covered Dayron Sharp when he was in Eastern North Carolina at South Central High School, and I've heard a lot of great things about Walker Kessler as well. But text I've received from people who have seen some of these off-season workouts and are close to the basketball program. The guy that I keep hearing about, Jones, is R.J. Davis. What can you tell me about him actually seeing him on the floor? You know, I, I think all those guys are going to be players who are impactful for Carolina um, early this year, or at least as this year moves along. And I know you asked me about R.J. Davis, but Daron Sharp is is good. He he's big and strong. Good shoot. Um he can really rebound. He he's he's going to be an impactful player I think early for Carolina. Caleb Love supremely talented. You know, RJ Davis is just he's just the guy you want on your team. Yeah, you know, he's not the tallest guy out there. He may not be the fastest although he's pretty fast. Um, but he's just one of those guys that's going to do everything that it takes to help you win the game, and he's going to do it with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and a little bit of attitude as well that you want if he's that you like if he's on your side. You know, he, I hate to compare players, but he reminds me of Joel Berry a little bit, just as far as 
the way that he plays and kind of he's a little undersized, but that that probably just makes him angrier that he's a little undersized. And so I think that uh, he's somebody that Carolina fans are going to really, really like um, when they get to see him on the court because he's somebody that plays with a really strong passion with a little bit of an edge, and, and he's a good player on top of all that too. I hate to close things on a sadder note, but I feel it's necessary. Jones Angel's with us here, the voice of the Tar Heels. We learned over the weekend that a Chapel Hill icon, 95-year-old, Dr. Reverend Seymour, Robert Seymour, passed away over the weekend. And when we hear stories about Dean Smith, what he did in the 60s and the 70s, integrating um, businesses and restaurants specifically, and doing so with the help of Reverend Seymour, you just hear about what he represents to that community. As somebody who's an important voice in that community, Jones, and documenting what happens with the heels, I'm sure you've heard a ton of stories or maybe even gotten to know Reverend Seymour, what's the best story you can share with me that speaks to how important of a figure he was over there? You know, Josh, I I did not know Reverend Seymour personally, but but I've heard so many stories, uh, particularly when it comes to in that relationship with Coach Smith and how much guidance that he gave Coach Smith on on a personal and, and spiritual level. And, you know, that's something that I always talk about when people ask me about Dean Smith. And, and I did not know Coach Smith really well. You know, he, he, I was a student here when, when he retired, and so I never had a chance to, to work with him directly. Um, but Dean Smith was not just a wonderful basketball coach. I think we all can understand and accept that, that he's on the short list of, uh, you know, three or four names, and in my opinion, number one, but that can certainly change from person to person. Um, as far as just a straight basketball coach. But what made him so different from all the other great coaches is the way that he took a lead in the social area and how he used his platform that he had as the head coach of Carolina basketball to use that platform for the better. And, And I think he used Reverend Seymour in a way as a sounding board and as a, a guiding light a little bit to, to help him uh, figure out the way to make some of those decisions and figure out the best way to do that. And so, um, yeah, those guys incredibly impactful in this community. Um, Chapel Hill is, has been a better place because they had people like Reverend Seymour and, and Dean Smith who, who lived here and, and uh, made an impact here for sure. Jones, it was really good to see you last weekend. Even better to see the way the Tar Heels played. Uh A lot of fun when the teams around here are playing really well. Hope we'll be catching up sometime soon. Thanks for doing this. Sounds good, Josh. Always good to talk with you. You got it. It's Jones Angel, the voice of the Tar Heels, spending a bit of time with us here. And I actually got – there's just a ton of basketball news today. See, we are in the heart of college basketball country here in the triad. So it's the start of college basketball practice today across the country. That's one bit of news, Sawyer. Second piece, the D1 – Council is in the process of announcing that there's going to be an extra year of eligibility for uh, winter sports athletes. In addition to that, they're talking about uh, championships and moving some things around, expanded transfer exceptions. They're officially introducing proposals to expand the one-time transfer in all sports. It's going to be voted on in January. Then we get March Madness itself news. We have 2025 regional sites. 
No games in Charlotte or in Greensboro, but Raleigh will have first and second round games. That's pretty good. Uh, I, I, I always like when the games are in the state of North Carolina. I like when they're in Charlotte. I like when they're in Greensboro. Particularly when they're in Greensboro. Specifically in Greensboro. I like when they're in Raleigh. I don't want to drive all the way to Columbia, South Carolina to watch my first and second round basketball. That's just me. So there you have it. 2025, there's going to be first and second round games in Raleigh. That was just announced in the last few minutes. Who are you most excited about? You're a Tar Heel fan. You and BDOT both. So you're probably really giddy hearing what Jones has to say there. What freshman most excites you? Probably R.J. Davis. Because that's the one I keep hearing about, but even just asking Mainly about Mainly just today, actually. RJ, I feel like you've won me over on, won me over on well, him. Well, asking about him, to Jones, Jones is one of those guys in the know, and he, he directed me straight to De'Ron Sharp, who I actually have experience watching play. And, and what's going to stand out to you about Sharp, I think, when you watch him? Because I assume most people aren't really watching the high school games, but I could be wrong given how big these scouting sites have become. Inside Carolina, Pack Pride, Demon Deacon Digest, you name it. He has a really clean-looking jumper. It's a really nice stroke for a really big man. Dayron Sharp, when I covered him, when he was a freshman or a sophomore, broadcasting some of his games in Eastern North Carolina, eh, he was probably about maybe 230, 225. My guy is 6'10", 250. Need about 250. That's what he is. 250 pounds, 6'10". He could shoot. Really strong player. So those are the two freshmen I'm keeping a pretty close eye on, but the highest-ranked freshman that North Carolina has, we haven't talked about yet. It's Caleb Love. When you talk about the hallmarks of Tar Heel basketball, I, I point to wings, I point to shooting, but what Jones said, point guard play, big men. They have great big men, Point guard play? Last year, we just went through the Cole Anthony experience, and Cole was Cole was a lot higher rated and ranked than Caleb Love is. So how confident are we feeling about point guard specifically? I really like Caleb Love. I've, I mean, I've not watched like full games, and I've watched highlights you and know, I the past Cole. couple years. I still yeah. do like Cole. He looks good. Like I still think Cole's a top 10 pick. I really do. I think he's going to be picked in the top 10. That's my feeling. If Cole doesn't get hurt, we're, we're, I think our pers perspective is different on Cole. But is Caleb Love as good as Cole? I'd probably lean saying no. And I don't think that's an, a controversial take at all. But Caleb's not going to be asked to do what Cole was asked to do. Because what Cole was asked to do, Coach Williams has said this a number of times, eh, it's way too much. He's doing things I never asked my point guard to do. So, what do you got in uh, Take It to the House? Well, Josh, I know you have a cat. What would you do if that cat attacked uh, you? Hold one sec. We just got big breaking news. Ooh, ooh. There are a lot of news headlines right now. Alabama just put out a statement that... I'll just read the statement in whole. Early this afternoon, we received notifications that Nick Saban and AD Greg Byrne tested positive for COVID. Both immediately left the facility. 
and went to their homes to self-isolate after receiving that info. No Florida LSU this weekend because of everything happening with UF. What does that mean for the team? What does that mean for Alabama after... Remember, Alabama's playing Georgia this week. That's the biggest game in college football. Hmm. Bama's playing Georgia. Nick Saban is now not going to be on the sidelines, it seems like, for that game. He tested positive. The AD tested positive, too. How many of the players got it? I don't know. Who's going to Is it going to be Steve Sarkeesian? Who's going to be the interim head coach? Are they going to play this game? I mean, uh, it's, it's the biggest game of the weekend. It is Alabama-Georgia, number two versus number three. That's not a game you really want to move. So we'll see what happens. That's big news. What were you saying, though, and take it to the house? What would you do if your cat attacked you? That's a lot bigger news than what I just said. We take it to the house next.